Hello and welcome to Impact the Borough, a podcast from the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce. I'm Brent Christensen, President and CEO of the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce. Each week, a Chamber staff member will sit down with a guest to discuss what we're doing to start and grow businesses, create quality jobs, develop our workforce, and tell the inspiring story of Greensboro to the world. This podcast is brought to you by Truliant Federal Credit Union a modern, mission-driven financial institution focused on the needs of its members, the businesses it serves, and our community. With five locations in Guilford County, including a dedicated commercial lending office at Friendly Center and a highly rated mobile banking app, Truliant makes it their business to help you grow yours. Visit truliant.org for more information. So thank you everybody for joining us today on Impact the Borough. I'm Luann Flanders-Steck, the Executive Vice President of Entrepreneurship for the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce and the Fund Executive for First Launch Capital Fund. First Launch Capital Fund began making investments last year in tech and tech-enabled companies located in or willing to relocate to the 12-county Piedmont Triad region of North Carolina. We're based in Greensboro, but invest in companies across the region. Joining me today are Bill Souls and Rob Arnold. So thank you both for being with me. I'm going to let each of them introduce themselves. So Bill, if you'd like to introduce yourself to the audience, please. Sure, sure, Luann. Thank you for having me. Uh, I am, uh, for most of my career, was an investment banker uh, doing merger and acquisition work for uh, primarily lower middle market and middle market companies. And I worked in both the corporate world as well as I started a uh, boutique investment bank in Greensboro with a couple of partners. And uh, we sold that company about a decade ago, and I have been a private investor ever since. So thank you, Bill. And Rob, would you introduce yourself to our audience, please? Yeah, I'm Rob Arnold. I'm the founder and CEO of Threat Sketch. Um, I am basically a recovering IT consultant. Uh, I spent about 15 years working in the technology arena, uh, mostly on uh, new inventive things. Uh, in fact, um, business intelligence is a kind of a big thing right now or big data. Um, we actually helped one of the local Fortune 500 companies set up one of the first business intelligence programs. I did a lot of ethical hacking along the way throughout my career, helping people uh, hack into routers that they lost the password to or other systems that they couldn't uh, access anymore. Um, and, uh, and, and eventually decided that uh, cybersecurity was something that I wanted to pursue and, um, and went back to graduate school and, and got a uh, master's certificate in information assurance. Um, and it was so early in the field that really cybersecurity as a term hadn't even come out yet. So you've worked with large corporations and organizations, you've started a company, you've worked for smaller businesses, and you've raised two daughters, of which you are very proud and you should be. So tell me a bit more about your background and kind of what prompted you to start Threat Sketch five years ago. Um, sure. So uh, as far as my background goes, I've been uh, infatuated with technology since a very, very early age. Uh, in the, uh, the, the mid eighties, I got my first computer. Uh, it was a Christmas gift to me when I was a, a teenager. And, um, I actually taught myself how to program, uh, while I was living basically in a, a small rural town in Virginia and had no mentorship or anything, 
uh, just kind of figured it out on my own, uh, went off to college and uh, studied psychology, mostly because, uh, well, computer science degrees were not terribly uh, prolific at that time. But more importantly, I wanted to understand how the mind worked because artificial intelligence was just such a, a really cool and thing that I was enamored with. But it wasn't really ripe uh, at the time. Uh, so I eventually found my way into other parts of the technology uh, industry. And I did everything from software development to database development to network architecture. Um, I was really blessed to... Um, to be a part of the growing, what was, it started out as Siba Geigy, uh, ended up splitting into Novartis and Syngenta. So one of the larger companies in the region, uh, they actually had an animal health or animal pharmaceutical division. Uh, I came in just as they went from 30 million to $300 million in revenue. Uh, that was like me being a kid in a candy store. I could get all the technology I wanted and um, they let me implement just about everything. And it was a really good, uh, really, really set a good um, foundation for my technology expertise. Um, and uh, so, I, so I did that for a period of time as a consultant. Uh, that was, you know, relatively easy to do as, as a, you know, as an entrepreneur to be a, a, a consultant because uh, you don't have to have much more to invest other than enough to live on until you kind of get a good income stream going. But um, uh, anyway, so uh, then about uh, almost 10 years ago, I had some personal changes in my life. One of those was my ex-wife passed away and I ended up with two girls on my own. And um, as I decided I was going to take a break from, from working and uh, from a career standpoint, focus on them and at the same time go back to graduate school, as I mentioned. Um, and at that point, I kind of looked at the tea leaves and saw that cybersecurity was definitely going to be a big thing uh, and decided to, um, to pursue that. Uh, one of the nagging questions from my IT experience was always the how much do you invest in, in security? Uh, when I would ask invest, uh, executives that question, they would evident, inevitably tell me it, it was all important and it was my job to figure out which things to, uh, you know, to, to put security around and how much to spend. But I always felt that that was, uh, there was more to it than that. So in graduate school, I saw uh, the equations for risk management, for cyber risk management in a textbook and some light bulbs went off for me. And I realized at that point that uh, there was a formula that you could use to solve the cybersecurity investment problem, or at least, you know, get a good start on it. And, um, and that problem space has been one that I've worked in uh, ever since. And it formed the basis for Threat Sketch. Um, and in fact, uh, the name threat sketch comes from the fact that, you know, if you can, you can do an elaborate budget by, uh, by crunching all kinds of data and, and formulas. Um, but the, the, the sketch part is a nod to the fact that you can also do a back of a napkin sketch of a budget. And for small and medium organizations, that's really important. The other place that's important is when you have, uh, either a portfolio scale businesses or you have, um, uh, a, a large supply chain that's made up of small and medium-sized businesses, you can't afford to go in at, at a high dollar 
price point to figure out exactly what the cybersecurity spend should be and what they should do to protect themselves. Um, you, you know, because you're dealing with so many small organizations, you have to be very quick and efficient with figuring out that problem. And, and that's ultimately where Threat Sketch is going. And lastly, because I felt it was spent so much time in technology and cybersecurity is kind of the dark side of technology. Since I create, help create a lot of this stuff, I feel kind of responsible for going back and, and uh, fixing some of my mess with cybersecurity. And thank you for doing that, Rob. <laughs> my pleasure. So it sounds like you're a bit um, ahead of the time and a bit of a visionary in this space. So I'm glad that we invested in um, your thought process and your forward thinking mind. So as we, those of us that invest um, and those of us that have been in the entrepreneurial space for so many years, we know that there are a few real keys to success. Um, and some of it's serendipity, some of it's just hard work, and some of it's being in the right place at the right time. But there are also things that you can do specifically as an entrepreneur to improve your chances of success, including advisory support and mentors capital team and of course some other things what do you have what do you see as your kind of key to success to date to threat sketch and what would be the thing that you believe will be the most beneficial as you move forward yeah so one of the most foundational things i did was um I, I found the local entrepreneurial community here in the Piedmont Triad. And I don't, you know, that's something that I really didn't have when I uh, set up my first consulting business and frankly didn't need. As I mentioned early, earlier, it's uh, relatively easy when you're setting up a consultancy uh, to hang out your shingle. You have to have enough cash to live on until you get your revenue stream going. Um, but there's not a really intense period of trying to figure out what your product is going to look like, who your clients are going to be, um, and a lot of the other things that come along with a more sophisticated business model than, than a straightforward consulting arrangement. And um, so, like I said, I, I, I found the entrepreneurial community. Uh, they, I got turned on to a new style of uh, startup. It's basically the lean startup model, uh, if you will. And uh, and from that has grown a whole number of other little uh, sub facets of, of startup training. But um, I, I was lucky enough to go through with my co-founder a boot camp. It was about a two week program put on by uh, the startup factory. Um, and they were brought over to the area to do um, this this boot camp for some entrepreneurs in our in our area. And um, and that was super helpful. Um, had I not had that, I don't think we would have gotten off to a good start at all. Um, you know, it's always a challenge to try and balance uh, bringing in outside capital versus using money either from your own sources or even better yet from organic revenue. Um, we've had really good successes along the way, along the way with all of that. Um, and uh, so um, that has really been key. One of the one of the big early sources of revenue was a couple of contracts with Homeland Security to build some uh, prototype systems for them. Uh, and that really kept us busy and, and, and allowed us to um, put some other ideas 
forward using the the, the profits from those contracts, and um, and that was really nice. Um, and then when it came time to uh, really accelerate our vision, it was um, going back again to the entrepreneurial community and finding the angel networks that are here. Um, and having mentors along the way has really been key for all of that. So um, I think, yeah, that kind of covers it up. Yeah, and thank you for continuing to mention the entrepreneurship community. As those of you in our community know me, that is kind of where I love to live um, with the other entrepreneurial ecosystem partners in supporting organizations and entrepreneurs just like you, Rob, and so many others that we know. Um, so you've raised capital, Rob, and I'm just curious, how do you, how, how did you approach that process? Is this the first time that you've raised capital? It sounds like it is. Um, so why did you choose to go that route this time? And how did you, what made you decide to approach First Launch as part of one of your funding partners? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think every entrepreneur starts out with the hope that they can, you know, bootstrap and self-fund, uh, you know, their way to success. <clears throat> and, you know, if you have a, a simple, straightforward business model, that might work. If And you have a simple, straightforward product that doesn't require a lot of development, that might work. Um, but when you're building a platform as large and complex as what we're doing at Threat Sketch, um, the only way to stay ahead of the pack is to uh, access capital that allows you to basically run faster uh, than all the other folks that are competing in that same area. Um, it also allows you, frankly, to make more mistakes. Um, that may sound counterintuitive, but it's actually a very important part of the institutional learning process is being able to try and take a prototype product to a market only to find out that that, you know, maybe doesn't have a good fit. So you can pivot, try something a little bit different or take the same product to a different market. And that through that iterative process, you figure out exactly where your, your, your optimal uh, market fit is. Oftentimes you only get uh, one bite at the apple as an entrepreneur, uh, especially if you're just trying to fund everything on your own. Uh, but thankfully, uh, when you have uh, good investors behind you, you can you can have more shots uh, that help you make sure that you're optimized in your product market fit. And that's really the goal um, in terms of making sure that you're um, maximizing the return on investment for the for the uh, investors that um, put their faith in you. And um, at the end of the day, that's kind of the um, the end goal. And I will say too that um, I had the luxury of doing a few early angel investments of my own with other companies. Some went well, some didn't. That too was a, an important learning process. Um, and then finally, it was uh, bringing on uh, good mentors to help me go through the capital raising process. Had I not had, um, you know, some some key folks with me every step of the way. I don't think I would have actually been able to accomplish what I did. So, Bill, as one of um, Threat, Sketch, Threat Sketch's advisors, how did you approach this fundraising process with them? And I'm sure you're one of the folks that Rob was mentioning. 
Well, there are there are certain things that an investor is going to look for that uh, may not be the same thing that when you're marketing a company or uh, doing other facets of the business that come into play. And uh, I think that many times entrepreneurs, since it is a new experience for them to raise capital and dealing with people, it's almost like speaking a different language at times. And so you kind of need to know that language to be able to speak the investor's language. And there are questions that you're going to get probably 80% of the time that you should be ready to answer. And uh, if you haven't been in that process before, you really don't know exactly what to do. Uh, Rob, fortunately, uh, was up to speed very fast. And uh, uh, his presentations to investors uh, were quite polished and strong. And so uh, uh, he got up to speed very quickly in something that, quite frankly, was not a part of his experience and background. That's great. So you just helped lever what he knew and um, made it a, a smoother path, it sounds like, for that fundraising effort. That's so right. Rob, so, Rob, why, what was your... What was the impetus for First Launch Capital Fund, and um, what? Why did you accept our investment? I know we we get to decide to invest who we want to invest in, um, but you also get to decide as the entrepreneur who to accept funding from. Yeah, so um, the I think a couple of different factors in there. Uh, one is uh, First Launch represented a bridge between the angel investing that we were that we were relying on the angel investment and the uh, the seed round that we're planning on doing later this year uh, we wanted to bring in some institutional capital um, that would you know signal to the investment community that we have uh, we've, we've kind of achieved a new level uh, in our sophistication, both in terms of the ability to go through due diligence, as well as the sophistication in, in what we are doing within Threat Sketch proper. And, um, and, and so I think that was kind of one of the, the key elements. The other thing, too, is to bring the local entrepreneurial community further deeper into Threat Sketch. Um, for all the reasons that Bill outlined earlier, I'm a uh, proponent of, you know, let's build something here in our community uh, that really rocks and that can, you know, be uh, an example for others and hopefully be a home run in the industry as well. Well, I can say we're counting on a home run. (laughs) (laughs) I'm swinging for the fences. No, you are. And we appreciate that. So, Bill, when First Launch made, as part of the investment committee for First Launch, we made the decision to invest in Threat Sketch because of their strong team advisory board and, of course, their business model. As an investor, what are your top considerations when you make a new investment? And how can you advise and how can you advise entrepreneurs to think about what it is they need to think about first and foremost as they start raising capital like you helped Rob with? Yeah, and and 
these comments are really directed at more of a startup or early stage as opposed to an investment in, a, in an established company. Some of these are the same regardless of size, but others are really specific and more important for younger companies. Right. Obviously, the most important thing with a startup or early stage company is to have a strong team. Uh, if somebody's done it before, you hear the overused word serial entrepreneur, uh, that's always a positive because there's a lot that you don't know unless you've been down the road. So a strong team, you've done it before. Uh, you know, that team has to run 150%. I mean, it, it really is a young person's game because uh, there are a lot of long days. You're on call 24-7. You've got to wear multiple hats. There are no silos. Titles are fairly meaningless in these things. You are the you are the chief cook and bottle washer uh, in these companies. Uh, you need to be a self self starter. You need to hit the ground running every day and to be able to motivate yourself. And high motivated people, highly motivated people, are really key. So, absolutely, biggest consideration in early stage investing is the team. Uh, I look for a big market. Uh, there's a big market that even a little piece of it could produce an attractive business. Uh, typically not a commodity, however. Something that's value-added, uh, clearly does not compete on price, would be very important. Uh, I like to see a business have multiple exit opportunities. It's very easy to put money into companies. It's very difficult to get money out of companies, particularly in the private market. There is no stock market to sell this into unless the company grows to that. Um, I like a business model that requires minimal capital to succeed. Uh, you know, it's not that there are not businesses that require ongoing heavy capital spending, but the ones that don't require that are a lot easier. Uh, and easy is probably the wrong word to use because it's all very challenging. But uh, those are those are easier businesses to grow over time. And obviously, the ability to attract future capital, uh, the money that first launch or anybody puts in a young company like ThreatSketch will not be the last. And so you want to make sure that that company is positioned and has a plan that can attract capital in the future. So if you look at ThreatSketch, you know, look at the checklist. I look for a strong team. Well, Rob and Nathan, the two founders of the company, they've been at this. They're all over this. They've been doing it for a long time. Check the box. Big market. That's the second thing I mentioned. Well, the damages to the global economy from cybercrime, lost productivity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, next year is projected to be upwards to $6 trillion. That's a big, big number. And so we're chasing that globally with about $160 billion of spending on cybersecurity. If you want a big market, that's a big market. Check the box. You talk about multiple exit opportunities. Well, ThreatSketch really operates in two different markets. One is business analytics. The second is cybersecurity. Those are two of the most active markets in terms of exits for venture-backed companies. So check the box there. A business model that requires minimal capital. Well, this is a software as a service or a SaaS business model that basically once you get it set up and running, it scales with very little capital. That's why software companies in general are highly valued by the marketplace. Because once they achieve traction, 
once they uh, start growing, there's very little capital that's required to grow those businesses, relatively speaking. And then obviously the ability to attract future capital. Last year, cybersecurity and data privacy companies attracted $10 billion worth of funding from the venture capital community. There were 815 reported deals last year. And there were many, many more that don't get reported that don't add to that number. That is a huge market as far as venture capital funding goes. So check the box there. So this company kind of fit all the boxes that I as an investor would be looking for. Thanks, Bill. And that's exactly why we invested in ThreatSketch as well, because you do check the boxes. And and back to your point about Avid Exchange, when we made that investment as the Piedmont Angel Network Fund One, they checked those boxes as well. We didn't have all of the reporting of funds and funding, but we knew that their space, even though it was at that time a very new space, that that space was going to be covered and filled. And here we sit today looking at a multi-billion dollar business. Yes, and, and that speaks to another point, too, about excellent management. Mm-hmm. Abbott Exchange's business model didn't start out to be exactly what they are today. No. They had many pivots along the way, and that's why you look for a strong management team, someone that can recognize, well, this road is not quite as smooth as we thought it would be. We need to go in this direction, and that ultimately is where a lot of businesses that have uh, come about and been very successful, you know, household name technology companies started out in a very different space from where they ended up. Exactly. And that's, that goes back to the old adage, jockey and horse. We invest in jockeys, which are the team, not the horse, which is the idea. So I'm going to overuse that. Sorry about that. That's correct. So Bill, back to um, the fund and some of the goals that we have for the fund. Other than that most obvious goal of return to investor, return on investment, what is one of your, what are some of your key goals that you have and why are you getting so involved with the fund? Um, And what are the outcomes that you'd like to see from this fund in the next five, 10 years? Well, um, obviously financial return is of highest importance because we're not operating a charity and we're not asking people to uh, donate uh, per se to economic development. The reason that this fund will be successful is because our number one goal by far is to focus on financial return. You know, we would target uh, uh, for every dollar we receive in committed capital, hopefully returning somewhere north of three times over time. That's that's kind of to be expected with venture capital investments. They're highly risky, so you're looking for, you know, high returns. Obviously, there's a huge amount of risk around that, but uh, that's, that's what we shoot for. Um, you know, when you look at the companies in our portfolio, obviously not all of them are going to hit those targets. Uh, many won't achieve that individually. Some will fail. Perhaps many will fail. That's why spreading capital around a large number of companies is important. Uh, One company, two companies, three companies in the portfolio, if it hits, could take the whole portfolio over those goals uh, individually. That's how you invest with venture capital. Um, However, 
you know, some of those companies that perhaps don't hit those large financial targets will create jobs. And from my perspective, uh, I'm not looking for a target of X number of jobs per company. Uh, it doesn't matter. If a company is small and creates five to 10 jobs, that's wonderful. If it grows significantly larger and creates 50 to 100 jobs, that's even better. And if it really, if we get another uh, home run uh, at some point in the future uh, and it employs more people, all the merrier. Because that is, to me, one of the most important things here is to create jobs in the that create intellectual capital for our region and enhances what they call the creative class here. We need to be keeping these people here. We need economic development. We need to make our region attractive to these type people. And, you know, you look out um, at surveys and what people say they want, we have here in our region. We have green spaces. We have diversity. We have education. Our K through 12 public school system is one of the finest in the states. We've benefited from strong leadership from people like Alan Duncan. Uh, over the years, who brought a lot to uh, to our uh, education. Uh, we need to develop stronger ties to our local colleges. We have tremendous engineering graduates coming out of North Carolina A&T. We've got UNCG. We've got High Point University, Elon, Wake Forest, Guilford, Greensboro. I mean, there is a wealth of intellectual capital here in young people. If you add it all up, there are tens of thousands of smart young people in our market, and we need to keep some of them here. We're not going to keep them all here, but we need to keep some of them here. And I believe that students with great ideas, if they feel those ideas could be funded, uh, will put down roots here. And it's not something that happens overnight. This is a, this is a generational uh, challenge. And I've heard, you know, people ask me, they say, first launch capital, our mission is to provide the first round of capital in anywhere from, say, twenty-five dollars to $150,000. Well, can't anybody access that kind of capital from friends and family and credit sources? And the short answer to that is no, they can't. Uh, <laughs> sometimes that is the only thing standing in between a good idea and a business that meets all of our criteria and someone moving away and taking a job in another region. And we want to make sure that people are aware of what we're doing here, what we're doing here, and that there are these resources uh, that are available to our young entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in general to stay and make their home in the region. You know, we have uh, in our region, we got beaten down so severely economically we have been spending a lot of time in our local communities simply just getting our heads back above water and trying to rebuild the jobs that were lost and all that economic carnage that happened. And sometimes that creates silos. And, um, and we've got to break down those silos. We've got to share resources, both in terms of capital as well as knowledge. You know, there's no place in the new economy for provincialism. We've got to work together and share our strengths and basically mitigate our weaknesses. So I'm excited that the fund is focused on the region because that is what we need to do to be competitive in the new economy. Uh, people will 
relocate to our region and will choose to live in our community. And they might live in Winston, work in Greensboro, live in Greensboro, work in Winston, High Point, Burlington, all these communities. We need to support the best and the brightest and the good ideas to start building this knowledge economy from the ground up. Bill, I couldn't agree with you more. So thank you. Thank you. So as a quick reminder, as we close, um, First Launch Capital Fund does invest in companies in the 12 County Piedmont Triad region. And if you don't currently live here, we'd love to have you relocate here um, with an investment from this fund. Uh, we do more than just invest. Uh, we really do support companies and help them navigate this early stage process of starting and building and growing a business. So I'm going to thank Bill and Rob for joining us today and being a part of Impact the Borough podcast. So Rob, I'm going to invite our audience to learn more about ThreatSketch by visiting your website. It's www.threatsketch.com. Surprise, surprise. I'm glad you got that URL. And if you need help with quantifying your cyber risk or solving cybersecurity at an investment, as an investment problem, you can reach out to Rob at rob at threatsketch.com. So thanks again, Rob, for being with us. Thank you. And I want to thank Bill, uh, our board member at First Launch Capital Fund. We, as the fund, encourage folks to learn more about us by visiting our website firstlaunchcapital.com. And if you know a company or you have a company that fits our investment criteria or would like to move to our region, which as Bill has reminded us often today, it really does have what people say they want in a community. Please reach out to me and my email is lafstec at firstlaunchcapital.com. So thank you again all for your time and Rob and Bill, and I hope everybody has a lovely afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. Go enjoy some of this good Piedmont Triad weather. Yes, Absolutely. definitely. Definitely. This podcast is brought to you by True Lion Federal Credit Union, a modern mission-driven financial institution focused on the needs of its members the businesses it serves, and our community. With five locations in Guilford County, including a dedicated commercial lending office at Friendly Center and a highly rated mobile banking app, Truliant makes it their business to help you grow yours. Visit truliant.org for more information. You can find all of our episodes on YouTube thanks to our video sponsor, North State. Impact the Borough is recorded at Press Play Studios. Producers are Brody Cohen-Glaze and Holly West. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at GSO Chamber. See you next time.